If you have a, a biblio or a phone or a laptop or whatever with a biblio in it, we're going to 1 Peter chapter 1. Um, that's the Okay, team in the, in the box, we're going to 1 Peter, not John 4. It's okay, We've, I've changed my mind three times this morning. I'm going to read the text right through and then come back and say, like, like float around. Is that okay? So I'm going to read it right through. It's quite a big chunk. Um, and I think, I think this morning, a couple of things I think that God wants to say to us, but I think in a way, it's not a lot of the detail. I'll pick up some detail, but it's more the general flow of the way this passage goes. Okay, I'm going to set up front this so you know where I'm going roughly. Because he talks about who we are, first of all. And then he goes a big section in the middle, Peter, about just how amazing salvation is. You'll see the word salvation several times. And he just really gets a bit carried away about just how awful it is. This, this is this bit where they've got the verse where it says, angels long to look into this. It's so amazing that the angels don't get it. And, and that's the sort of, so go from who we are a bit in Jesus, then this massive thing about how amazing it is. And then it goes into a sort of application bit at the end where it says, look, guys, so roll your sleeves up and get on with it. And that's where we're going to land. Do you know that? So shall I stop now and go and have refreshments? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Refreshment Sunday, quite right. Thank you, Terry. Uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkled by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire may be proved genuine and may result in praise glory and honor when jesus christ is revealed though you have not seen him you love him and even though you do not see him now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith the salvation of your souls i think it's going to s10 maybe yeah i made that i missed that bit out didn't i you're quite right absolutely right I've skipped a bit because I thought the sermon might, I thought we might be a bit late and you might be wanting coffee. Harsh, joy. Keep it on screen. I'm going to read that bit though instead. The bit I thought I was going to say. Concerning this salvation, verse 10, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to become to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you, told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Back to verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. 
For it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Father, as we look at your word together, Father, I pray your spirit would take your written word, would point us to your living word, Jesus, and would help us to know a bit more about how it is we're to walk in this, your world, as your people. Amen. Back to verse 1. Um, so, begin a letter. We're not going to go into no background here about the letters. It's just, for the moment, no time for that. So, he writes, though, to God's elect strangers in the world. Hold those two phrases, right? God's elect strangers in the world. The first thing I just want to pick up here is that, that our identity is, first of all, as God's elect, right? It, it doesn't say strangers. I, I love the phrase strangers in the world. Do you get that? Do you get that? That somehow, there's an old song, don't, it's before, before, before my dad's time probably. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Who knows this song? You do, because you always do. All right? Uh, uh, the world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Do you get it? Where's my home? Heaven. Actually, it's there now. It's not some future thing. That's where, that's where I live, effectively. Paul says in Galatians 4, you know, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. We're strangers in the world. And to be honest, the more I look at this world, the stranger it becomes. <laughs> There's some strange stuff happening around. I don't mean, I don't mean like the, the real physical world. That's beautiful. I mean, it's strange in a different sort of way. It's hard to bend your mind at times. But I mean, I mean the world of humanity and people. And Really? But I'm not a citizen, really, of this world anymore. I'm really a citizen of heaven. And that's an important thing to hold. That's why sometimes we don't feel we belong. That's sometimes we just don't get stuff, all right? And people don't get us as well. But the first thing is identity is not that. Our identity is God's elect, right? And I don't, again, it's not a thing I want to try and explain and understand here. I just want to state it this morning that if you have chosen to follow Jesus, you're one of God's elect. One of the people that God goes on whom have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Uh, I don't get this stuff because, because God knew before the creation of time how I was going to choose. I have to choose, but he knew I was going to choose, and therefore it's in his knowledge. And therefore, did I have a choice? I had a choice because I chose. If I hadn't chosen, God wouldn't have known it, but I chose. Uh-huh. Just live with it, guys. You're God's elect. You're chosen specially. You're a loved people. Your identity is primarily my identity too. My identity, <laughs> my identity is not, you know, one of the, you know, you know, we're thinking we may have to move for various reasons. You don't know that. It's news tough. Like I'll talk, I'll do a proper chat sometime about it. But great revelation and great stuff comes to us. But one of the problems is that here in this area, I'm not Chris Clare. I am deputy head retired or associate minister, right? Or pops, right? I have roles and stuff, okay? Some of the roles, actually all the roles I quite like, actually. I quite like being... Associate minister, because I can, I don't have the last responsibility. I can mess things up and say, "Oh, sorry, mate." <laughs> My good friend Laurie, <laughs> yeah. But I'm not those. Those. Those are. Those are. They're good roles you get, but that's not doesn't find me. It's easy to get your value out of those things. My identity comes because I'm I'm God's kid. My identity comes because He chose me before the foundation of the world, as it says. And that's the prime thing to know this morning and to remember this morning because that's where we come from. But having said that, having chosen to follow Jesus, having decided to put my 
life there to be that sort of on that side, on God's side in the world. Lots of stuff happens, we'll come in a minute, but then I end up being a stranger in the world. The result of that, you can't be, you know, it's that thing about no neutral ground, isn't it? Jesus says, who's not for us, who is not against us, is for us. Right? You can't be sort of passive. Once you choose to follow Jesus, the world's against you and you're against the world in a funny sort of way. It's God's world. God loves it. God loves all the people in it. But the enemies are rampant here. And it's well fallen and the fall has gone on and got worse and worse and worse in my opinion. And you can see it in so many things. God's elect. He talks a particular area. It's all of us, I know. But now look at this, the, the Trinity thing here. Look at this thing. The foreknowledge of God the Father. Okay. He loves us. The sanctified. Do you know what sanctified means? That's the process by which you become more like Jesus. Okay. Yeah. That's the process by which you come. Just a, um, in the first Christian and then slowly you get more. It's actually very slow, isn't it? Sometimes it's almost infinitesimally slow. Do you know what I mean by that? It's like watching, watching lead flow down a church roof, you know. 300 years later, it's a bit thicker at the bottom than the top. It's viscous and it flows, but really slowly. Right? But nonetheless, the Holy Spirit is sanctifying me and you. The Holy Spirit's at work in you to complete the work you started. You chose to follow Jesus. And the Holy Spirit came to live in you, and the Holy Spirit will not, will not leave it like it is. There's a work going on. Paul says, I know that he, he'll bring to completion the work that he started on the day of Jesus. Father loves us. Spirit lives with us and sanctifies us through, actually interesting this, for obedience to Jesus Christ. You see, <laughs> you've got to say about the fact we're forgiven. Jesus' blood dies, we're forgiven. But the thing here he says is, the Holy Spirit sanctifies for obedience to Jesus. So we're obedient to what he told us. So when Jesus says, love each other as I've loved you, that's actually John, isn't it? But you know what I mean? That's what we've got to do. And it's hard. And we're going into a place where we become obedient. But we are God's elect. We have chosen to follow. We've chosen that and are following. And that's our prime status. And the world is going to be tough. Keep going. Next chunk. Pray to the God. Now, see, now I guess this character, it's just this great praise, this praise to God, which in a sense comes out of worship, I know. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth and living hope. All the stuff he's done for us. And he picks up here the inheritance and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Um, and, and, and in a sense, there's a future-looking thing here which Peter picks up because he's talking to people who are currently going through tough times. He's going to say about, you know, where's it here, isn't it? Uh, uh, a bit later on, actually, don't worry. Okay, but he's going to talk about the tough times you go through. We'll come to that in a second. But so there's a future hope. Okay, God will eventually put it all right and judge and, and whatever. But it's not just a future hope. The inheritance is now because he says we're receiving our salvation. It's a present active reality as well. Let's carry on just a little bit. Just go for the next bit. Please. Oh, thank you. And this you've great, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. In this point of time in this space between when we became Christians and when we end up in heaven and what that looks like, we have to suffer various trials. And the trials are always, you know, the grief and the stuff that happens, the bad things that happen, always happen because the enemy is in control of the world. They're not God. 
But what they do is, as we go through those trials, as our faith sticks with Jesus, that it says here, come, so your faith, which perishes, even though refined by fire, sorry, it's gone, but if you prove genuine and result in praise, it results in praise of Jesus. And, and, and it does, actually. You can see that when you see people who know and love Jesus and they go through tough stuff and they still know and love Jesus. Do you see that ever? And that, uh, my friends, there are some pretty tough things in the world. Um, we've mother and son today. And uh, my son, um, one of my sons, phoned up, um, asked me to pray for a family where the mum was carrying a baby and uh, had two little kids and mum died. And the little three-year-old found the dead mum and they rescued the baby by cesarean section. The baby just ended up being um, brain damaged because it was inside mum. That's horrible, isn't it? Don't know the lady's name. All I know is, is Ezra's daughter-in-law, fa father. We just pray for them now. They may know your peace. Father, thank you they know you. But Father, pray your grace and your peace on them. And the little girl as well, three. Amen. Where was I? It's a tough world, yeah? And and sometimes it just seems like, oh. And I don't fully understand it. All I know, all I know is that personally, for me personally, and for you personally, we're elect. We're chosen by God. We've chosen to follow him and he's chosen us. Whoosh. And and there's unbelievable generosity of God. And inheritance doesn't fade. It's kept for us. And we're kept by faith in this. In, although we're strange in the world, although the world's in a tough place in many ways, we're kept by faith. Faith, notice, it's still faith. It's, it is God's, we're God's elect. He's chosen by God. And you can't fall away. However, you won't walk by faith. You still have to walk by faith through it. And I guess there might be some people this morning, I'm almost bound to be, who are facing tough times. Maybe in one sense we all are, and tough things. And the gospel doesn't shy away from that. It doesn't say become a Christian and it will be perfect. What it says is become a Christian, but God walks through you with you. Follow Jesus and God walks with you through it. It's a realistic thing, I'm afraid. And it also says here, more than that, that somehow out of the suffering, see Jesus is the same, because Jesus goes to the cross through suffering. It's real suffering, but somehow going through that brings everything. Agreed? It's like through the suffering of the cross to utter forgiveness, resurrection, new life, whole, whole works. But he has to go through such stuff that's tough. And there's something I don't fully get. I just read the book, trust the words, say, Lord, I know you've got it. You've got it. You're a loving Father God and you've got it. How you work it out, I don't know, but I know you've got it. Um, Laurie shared a, th a thing um, the other day. I don't know who. I don't know which group he shared it with. When I tell it out loud, those who are on those teams will know. He, he's been very good at sharing um, various uh, Facebook and, he, and things, um, which are really good. But he said this th this thing about people who don't get grace. It's like a la like a boy. Always boys these in my head. But anyway, a, per a person, a young person, who says, "Oh, I've really messed up. My dad's going to kill me." That's that's religion. That's old covenant stuff. What grace is, is a boy who says, oh, I've really messed up. 
I must speak to my dad about this. Do you get it? You see, one comes out of the sense that God is a holy God, and if you messed up, you sin and all that stuff, and it's wrong. It's not good. But grace comes out of the place where you say, God loves me. That's my identity. I'm elect. I'm one of God's kids, and I've messed up, so I've got to talk to God about it. And what does God say? I'll be given. Let's start again. Amen? Next slide. This is us, you see. Peter's writing to people like us who, who didn't see Jesus physically. Through him, you've not seen him, you love him. And though you don't see him, you believe in him. And are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Look around at the people next door to you and see how they feel. Look at them next door, turn sideways. See if you feel a joy-filled face next to you. That's actually better now, you see. When you look at each other, you do, okay? And a glorious and inexpressible joy, even amidst the mess of the world, okay? A glorious and expressible joy. Because we are, look at the verb here, you are receiving. Check the Greek, it is, current sense. You see, the inheritance in a sense, the inheritance word, the inheritance word behind it is, is a sense when you, like a you know, typical thing in a Roman family or, or someone dies, Roman culture here, where someone died and they pass on money. But it's, it's not just having had it in the future. It's not like my kids might expect an inheritance. I haven't died yet, although I have to say, I was talking about what we're doing about houses and stuff, and someone very kindly pointed out that at my age, it was very wise to have some planning for my demise, didn't you? <laughs> she didn't say, oh, good for you. She said, that's great inheritance planning, she said. <laughs> it's true, it's true. It's not that sort of inheritance, which is like in the future, do you get? Unless you sort of knock your dad off or whatever, don't suggest it. But it's the inheritance you've already got. It's when you've got into your inheritance. The sense of the verb is something you have now. Do you understand me? When we say the English inheritance, it, it tends to mean something in the future, which may come into. But the sense of the verb isn't that in that previous bit. It's, it's the present actuality that I've got this now, and it's mine. A bit like the... Um, the son, the prodigal son, you know, has, I want my inheritance now, mate. You know, half the money now. And dad gives it. One of the biggest signs of love in that passage is the fact that the dad knows what's going on, but splits the inheritance and sells up and gives the boy the money. Now he's going to waste it. If you're a parent here this morning, just say, give your kids money so they can waste it. <laughs> um but we're receiving it. You're receiving the, God, the salvation of your souls, right? We're receiving it. It's not a thing we're going to receive. We're receiving it. Do you get that? It's a live, active, present thing that God says, look, guys, it's a tough world, but we're doing it together. Part of salvation isn't like, it's not like, though we come a Christian at a certain point, and though I guess we'll die or Jesus will come back at a certain point, it's, it's not like a, it's a quantum thing. It's not like a step thing. It's a continuous thing. We are receiving our salvation. Day by day, as we try and live for Jesus in this world, this broken, hurting, brilliant, fantastic, God-created world, we are bringing our salvation, receiving our salvation. It's part of what we have to do. It's the process as much as in, it's not the end goal that's the only thing. It's the process that matters. Do you get this or not? Okay, next one. This is where I jumped a bit, wasn't it? Go on. Verse 13, isn't it? 13. Because then you see, having so 
overview of this passage, uh, is it coffee time nearly? Overview of this passage, um, guys, you're elect, but strange in the world. Life is tough at times. Incredible stuff God's done. An incredible inheritance you've got. It's secured for you. You're protected by God's power as long as you walk by faith. But then he comes to say, therefore, prepare your minds for action. The phrase, in, the phrase is like, you know, roll up your sleeves. Get on with it. All right? Church. Not individually here, but church. There's an element, I think, here for our, our sort of status at the moment. There's a sense of prepare your minds for action. Minds notice, our thinking. It's so easy to get wrong thinking about stuff. Thinking has got to be God-focused entirely. We've got to look from above, not below. Be self-controlled, set your mind. Because he said at the end, be holy for I'm holy. Holy means set apart, you see. Holy is about, it's about moral purity, but it's also about being set apart for God's service. Be holy for I'm holy. We are a set-apart people. <laughs> Strangers in the world. And I think it's a bit of a challenge here for us all corporately. I'm going to pray into it in a second. To say, yeah, okay, I'm up for this. I'm willing to prepare my mind for action. I'm willing to say, okay, let's roll up our sleeves and get on with this. of building kingdom. Because it doesn't sort of happen automatically. It happens by God's power, but it happens by us rolling up our minds and getting on with it. This morning... This morning um, at, at eight o'clock, I preached on a passage from John of the feeding of the John six. Don't don't do, don't do it on screen. Don't don't tempt me. Well, I thought you'd get a second sermon in no time, but I want to fix one thing from it. Do you you all know the story? Don't you, the feeding of the five thousand? Don't you? I hadn't planned to say this morning. It just came this morning when I was talking it. But what happens in the story? Pa- multitude of people. Jesus says to Philip, "How are we going to feed them?" He says, "I have no idea. You're joking." And who says something? A guy called Andrew says, there's a boy here who's got... Yeah, remember? You see, in that story, who shows faith in that story? No, not Andrew. It's the boy who gives up his stuff. Andrew points to it. But you get, the boy has been sensible and brought his lunch and no one else has. But his resource is tiny. He's a lad. I don't know how young he was, but he calls him a boy, and the word means, check this morning if I came here, actually, that, you know, I have our kids. He's the one who gives up something. The resource is useless. Can you look at the size of the problem in our world? Look at the size of the problem in, in our area. Look at the things, look at the broken lives we've got to deal with. The, the tr- need is enormous, and the resource is tiny. Look at us. We're, what, 60 people? Yeah? But you see, the thing is, it's not the size of the resource. It's the s- it, where's the source? It's God that matters. But you somehow got to give up the resource to liberate the source. Somehow you've got to be willing, this little kid who's got his lunch, bless him, <laughs> has to give it up to Jesus. And it's multiplied massively. Do you get that or not? And it really struck me that, 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 that there is something about us being willing, we don't have a lot, you know, um, but we give what we got, and the resource is not enough to, for the need. But don't put your trust in the resource, but put it in the source. Don't put your trust in how much money we've got, how many people we've got, what, how many people there are on worship roads or are on sunlight. So don't, don't put your trust in the stu- in the resources. Put your trust in the source. Amen. And that I think what this is about really. 
Because Peter's saying to people, look, guys, you've got it all. But get on. You've got it all. Your heritage is sealed. It's a cure. But get on. Clear minds for action.